Hump Day, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffBeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Wednesday, so this is an archive show, but it last aired two to ten years ago, so unless you're a hardcore, long-time listener, it's probably new to you. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on April 20th of 2014 under the headline Bad Batch of D-Horn Alcohol Killed 28 Hobos on Skid Road. Here we go. On December 7th, 1934, Ben Votruba left his room at the Bridge Hotel, which was a rundown flophouse in the 300 block of East Burnside in Portland, and made his way across the bridge to a corner drugstore on the west side. Ben was essentially a washed-up alcoholic. Although still relatively young in years, he was 46, those years had seen some hard living. His long-term drinking problems had taken him to rock bottom, and instead of bouncing back, he'd stuck, doing whatever he had to to get by, day by day, drink by drink. But it would be wrong to say he was obscure. The Portland Police Department knew him well. So did the municipal judge and clerks who had seen him come before the bench on vagrancy and petty theft charges many times. They called him the Canned Heat King. Canned Heat, sometimes referred to by its brand name, Sterno, was and still is a small can full of jelly denatured alcohol. The idea is you open the can and light it on fire and it burns with a clean blue flame that you can cook over. Many hobos used canned heat to cook with. They used it for something else, too. If you took the pink gelatinous blob out of the can and wrapped it in a handkerchief and squeezed, you'd get a few ounces of liquid alcohol, and you could actually drink it. It might make you a little nauseous, and it would taste like burning napalm, but it wouldn't kill you, and boy, at roughly 190 proof, would it ever get you drunk. Since he couldn't afford to drink anything better, fresh-squeezed canned heat was Ben Votruba's usual drink, and he went through rather a lot of it. The Canned Heat King's rap sheet was probably some kind of record. He'd been hauled before the court more than 80 times. It was mostly for petty drunkenness-related offenses, although there was that one spectacular incident 14 years earlier in which he'd T-boned the Portland fire chief's car while the chief was hurrying to the scene of a structure fire. They'd found three or four bottles of wine in his car afterward. That was back when Ben was young and strong, back when he could afford to drive a car and to drink the good stuff. Those days were gone now. On this particular day, Ben wasn't drinking canned heat. He was on his way to the Pioneer Drug Store to pick up a half pint or so of denatured alcohol, known to the initiated as Dehorn. Dehorn was industrial grain alcohol cut with a tiny quantity of toxic methanol or wood alcohol, and sometimes some formaldehyde as well. The idea was that because it was unfit to drink, it would not qualify for the steep tax levied on distilled booze. Prohibition had ended the previous year, so now distilled booze was in fact available. Previous to that, denatured alcohol was all you could get. Bottles of Dehorn bore prominent labels that read poison, reflecting the fact that wood alcohol is lethal stuff. A small amount, a tablespoon or two, will make you miserably sick. A little bit more of it, a third of a cup or so, 
can cause permanent blindness, which is something that a few thirsty moonshine drinkers have learned the hard way over the years after sampling the first runnings, called the heads, from large-capacity stills. But more than half a cup, four ounces, of pure wood alcohol causes one of the most miserable, agonizing, inexorable deaths known to 1930s medicine. The wood alcohol breaks down into formic acid, which spreads through the body and stops cell respiration. The victim, through an hours-long process, turns blue, suffers serial organ failure, and finally slips into a merciful coma and dies. And in 1934, there was very little that could be done to stop that train once it had left the station. So yes, Dehorn was poison. But what impecunious derelicts like Ben knew was that there wasn't enough poison in it to seriously hurt even the thirstiest man. For even the worst Dehorn, at 5% wood alcohol by volume, you would have to soak up the alcohol equivalent of about three-fifths of 80-proof whiskey to get a big enough dose of wood alcohol to reach truly toxic levels and risk blindness. So if you are willing to be miserably sick the next morning, you could drink it. You could drink a lot of it. Enough to get even a really experienced drinker like Ben Votruba drunk. And that meant that many of the vagrants living under bridges and in North End flop houses during the Depression, desperate for a drink but strapped for cash, were eager to buy this stuff to drink. And a certain class of drugstores soon came forward to meet this demand. Such a place was the Pioneer Drugstore, conveniently located on the corner of 3rd and Burnside, just across the river from Ben's room. Each day, dozens of vagrants like Ben would troop into the Pioneer Drugstore and others like it and ask for a 10-center. The druggist would hand over a bottle of clear liquid with a skull and crossbones on the label, pretending not to know that the slovenly bindle stiff at the counter was planning to drink it rather than refinishing furniture or whatever you do with denatured alcohol. On this particular day, Ben walked into the Pioneer and laid down his dime. Back he repaired with it to his flophouse, with the little bottle in his pocket. Ben drank alone, of course, up in his room. Drinking in public for a guy like him was a great way to end up in a cold jail cell shaking through the agonizing symptoms of hardcore alcohol withdrawal. In his room, Ben settled down on the bed and opened the bottle. Wood alcohol poisoning takes about 10 hours to start its killing process, and that process can drag on for 10 or 12 hours more. So, it was not until late on January 8th that his doctors and nurses at Good Samaritan Hospital looked on helplessly. Ben Votruba finally slipped into a coma and died. Ben was one of the first of a total of 28 of Portland's down-on-their-luck alcoholics to die that night and over the following few days from drinking a particularly bad batch of Dehorn. All of them, heavy drinkers with high tolerances, had put away massive doses of it. Very few of them survived. Well, police had little trouble tracking down the sources of the toxic tipples. The names of pharmacies were printed right on the sides of the bottles. And because some of the victims had bottles from several different pharmacies, a total of four drugstores came under suspicion. But within a few days, it became clear that one drugstore was the source of the problem. The Pioneer. The drugstore's owner, Solomon Miller, showed the authorities a five-gallon can marked denatured grain alcohol, which Miller had gotten from a paint supply company. This can, according to a toxicologist who inspected it, was full of, quote, approximately 100% pure poison. It was straight wood alcohol. With the light of hindsight, it seems very unlikely that Miller had any idea he was poisoning people. If he'd planned to kill, would he have put his name in the lethal bottles? 
But as with dozens of other shady pharmacists of the day, what he was doing was probably illegal and certainly highly unethical. He was making money selling industrial alcohol to people who were not supposed to drink it, knowing perfectly well that they were doing just that. In the end, following a speedy prosecution in which the public took an avid interest, Solomon Miller pleaded guilty to manslaughter in Ben Votruba's death. He drew a three-year prison sentence. According to the Oregonian's report, he received the news with his face in his hands, sobbing. So far as I've been able to learn, the paint company that sold him that mislabeled can of methanol was never called to account. Key sources in this story have included works by Frank R. Manny and the Portland Morning Oregonian, 1934 and 35. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love, which is in turn a division of Pulplet Productions, a boutique publishing house that specializes in audiobook and regular book editions, of stories from the classic Pulp Fiction era. Robert E. Howard, Algernon Blackwood, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and so on. More info can be found at pulp-lit.com. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license, type CC by SA International 4.0. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Got an idea for a show I should do, or just want to say hi, or maybe you're going to be in Corvallis sometime soon with time for a cup of coffee or a pint of Hammerhead? Drop me a line at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Fresh episodes of Offbeat Oregon History come your way at around 6 a.m. every weekday morning. So if you're looking for the next one, you haven't long to wait. Till then, go fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. (laughs) Bye now.